I am Jimbo Paris, and you are listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. So today we have Lakara Biddles, the founder and creator of the Raising Resilience Movement. How's it going? I'm well. How are you? It's good to know. I'm doing great. So can you begin by providing me a brief summary about yourself, who you are, what you're about, and what your message is? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, my name is LaCara Biddles. I'm the creator and founder of the Raising Resilience Movement. I'm also a coach that uh, supports and empowers women in carrying some of the weight that a lot of life challenges present. So a couple years ago, I kind of had this realization that I really wanted to work with individuals through difficult times in their lives. My background is nursing and throughout my schooling and my nursing career, I was always just in awe of how people were able to take on some of the difficulties they were going through. And everyone just seems to kind of navigate and manage and cope so incredibly differently. But recognizing that we all have the capacity to move through and actually carry a lot of those hardships with us. So yeah, so I'm also a course creator. Uh, I am a wife and I am a newly published author. The book will be coming out to release later this month. And so I'm so excited about that. And I am a mother to an angel, sadly. But yeah, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Great nutshell. And speaking of this Raising Resilience movement, why did you specifically build it? So throughout my life, I've gone through a lot of ups and downs, as many individuals do. I've, starting at a a younger age, I dealt with a lot of alcoholism in my family. And then as I got a little bit older, my, my parents went through a divorce, and that was really hard on me. And then through the separation and everything, I went to a really deep, dark depression. I ended up experimenting with different substances. I ended up going down this whole eating disorder road. Um, and it actually led to a lot of suicidal ideation and a very deep, dark depression. And of course, as I continued to move on through through life, there's been a lot of other challenges as well. But when I reflect back specifically on that period in my life where I was depressed, I was going through something and I felt so incredibly alone. And that's something that I can consistently say I felt throughout pretty much every hardship or challenge that I've encountered. Although I know there are other people that are going through similar kind of situations, in the moment, it feels very, very lonely. And so recognizing that and reflecting on that depression, I was able to really identify that I wasn't alone and I had a lot of supports in place, but it was myself that was isolating away from those supports. And so the whole thing that kind of initiated or inspired that Raising Resilience movement was recognizing that during times of hardship or challenge, we often feel like we're alone. But the reality is we aren't. 
So why not come together and maybe feel a little bit less alone? And so the whole reason why I created it was to really just provide a space where women could come together, share, you know, their stories. Um, For some, it's really about finding their voice and even just being able to share with others what they're experiencing and being able to connect with other individuals who may have also been through something similar uh, and just get some, you know, feedback or even just have somebody there to listen. Because at the end of the day, just having that connection can make such a significant difference. And why does making a connection make such a significant difference? Why do you think we all need to kind of be together and communicate with one another? Why is that important? So from the get go from birth, I mean, one of the biggest things that they stress is, you know, that connection between a child and a parent. So from the very start, we are developing connections. And for, for some individuals, you know, that initial relationship may not be, I guess, the best relationship that they've had. It might even kind of set the tone for future relationships that could present with complications and challenges. But really, we as humans, we don't like to be alone per se. That's why for a majority of us, we're constantly looking for searching for that connection. How are we connected to something larger than ourselves? Whether that be, you know, in a spiritual sense, or whether that's a physical connection we have. Um, It's just part of who we are. And this is going to be another why question. Why do you believe this is from, is it a spiritual thing? Like, why do you believe we need this? You seem like a spiritual person. That's Mm -hmm. why I'm asking. That's a great question. And to be completely honest, so growing up, I kind of really established myself as an individual away from a lot because of the situations I had experienced throughout my life, I kind of started developing this belief that the only person I could rely on was myself. And because of that, I really wasn't interested in reaching out. I, I, you know, wasn't interested in having a lot of friends because at the end of the day, I felt that the only person that's really going to do anything or lift me up or be there for me is myself. However, as I went forward and started to go down into that depression, I wasn't enough anymore. I was in such a horrible mindset that I could not pull myself out of that by myself. And so I do feel and and say that I am a spiritual person, though that is something that actually has developed recently over the past probably five or 10 years and continues to expand and grow more specifically since the death of my daughter. I've really found, thank you. I've really found that through her birth and, and her death, that connecting with others really was my only way to pull through. And without that connection and without actually taking that step forward and initiating or building those those connections with other individuals who've experienced that type of loss, 
I, I very well would have probably ended up in a depression again, because there are times that I catch myself and my mindset is going completely down this hole and just wants to pull me in. But knowing that, you know, there's other people out there that have gone through it and they're surviving through it. But in addition to that, they're thriving. That really helped me to set me on that path and connect with somebody to kind of guide me through that process. Because as a whole, as an individual, I didn't know how to do that. This definitely made you a stronger person. And what were some of the most positive changes you experienced when you began to find this new community and begin to bond with them? Did you see changes in your performance? Did you see changes, of course, in your resilience? What did you see exactly? Because I'm interested to know what kind of uplifting change happened after all this. It must have been very impactful and good for you. Absolutely. So it's rather interesting because prior to the birth and death of my daughter, Kaylani, I had created the Raising Resilience Movement. And when I first started off and created the group, what I discovered is individuals don't often find it easy to share about their vulnerabilities, especially if it's a certain area of their life that, you know, they consider to be a real hardship or struggle, or if it's something that's happening in the now because they're still processing it or or whichever. And so when everything transpired, I kind of took that upon myself to step into that light as, okay, this is what I see for the group. So I need to role model this. So while I was in the hospital, you know, and after I received the devastating news about our daughter, I started doing go lives and sharing specifically what was happening, you know, as I was living through it, showing individuals that, you know, although I have a history of going through all this stuff and have been able to navigate through all that there's still stuff happening in my life that I struggle with. Like I'm a person too, right? But I'm growing through it. And that's the key for myself is I constantly feel like I am presented with an opportunity to actually go th- grow through it. Cause I just, I, I can't just go through something, you know, the, the death of my daughter was so incredibly impactful, but I stepped into it. I, I owned it. I'm like, okay, this is what's happening in my life right now. And I'm really struggling, but I'm going to share with all of you here, the struggles I'm going through. And what I wasn't expecting is the overwhelming amount of love that I received Because when you're going through something like that, specifically in regard to the situation my husband and I were faced with, we had to make a very difficult decision. And for a lot of individuals, our decision may have not been the decision they made. And so there's always, you know, opportunity for people to judge you or make negative comments or have some type of critique on what you're doing in your life. But within that group, I wasn't met with that at all. I was just presented with so much love and support. And 
because of that, it further inspired me to want to share my story. Growing up as a little girl, if like whenever I fell down and cry or, or something happened, I was my my dad has a very specific um, thought process around that. So as a little girl, I was told big girls don't cry, right? Like you just need to suck it up. But going through this, I discovered no, I'm allowed to have feelings and I can express those feelings. And I'm allowed to be frustrated because sometimes life presents us with these challenges and and sometimes life isn't fair. But being able to vocalize that, that's what this opportunity or, or this experience really presented me with. And it allowed me to find my voice because I really was not one to share, you know, my challenges previously, especially in the moment as they were happening. It's been more like, experience the challenge, figure it out, and then talk about it once I've gotten through it and, and, you know, was able to reflect on how I navigated and how I was able to create success or whichever within those challenges where this was very much, okay, you're going to be vulnerable. And that's something that this really gave me. And that's where I think not only I, but a lot of people in my life have seen that transformation is it's made me a more vulnerable and if you ask my mom, she'll tell you soft person Um, just because I am more open with my emotions now. And I mean, I'm very, very grateful for that because previously my belief was that if I cry, that means I'm weak. But the reality is, is that's not weakness. I've discovered that my emotions are just part of my story and it's actually a strength to be able to share that. And so being able to encompass that and just embrace it and own it has been so incredibly powerful powerful for myself as a person. And I understand this had a very positive effect on you. I'm also interested to know, though, what effect did it have on the other people around you? So you kind of gave me your mother's opinions. You said that you changed drastically. Were there people that also went through a positive transformation because they could relate to what you were going through? Sort of elaborate on that. I want to know. Absolutely. So, you know, it's interesting because in a lot of books and podcasts and media and and social like social media posts, everybody's always talking about this positive transformation that, you know, you can go through through hardship or through trauma. And I, I do believe that there is beautiful things to be found in absolutely everything. And I have found the beauty within my situation, though it took me a while to really get there to see the transformation and the impact it had on other people. Like my family, of course, was heartbroken when we had to share the news that our daughter once we delivered her, she wouldn't be compatible with the outside world. And relaying that information, especially just before, you know, my, my membranes broke, we thought we were having a perfectly healthy little baby. And then it was like last minute, right before it's like, Oh, no, the reality is, is this is what's going on. And this is the outcome. Like, it's not going to be positive. However, so my mom, specifically, she was aware that her mom 
had given birth to a child that was born still. And that was her sister that was born right before her. And my mom really hadn't thought about her at all growing up. She never asked my grandmother questions. And unfortunately, my grandma's not here for my mom to actually ask those questions. But for my mom, it's really made her stop to think, what did my grandmother go through? Because my mom sees me and she sees me going through all this and sometimes struggling and everything. But specifically back then, my grandma didn't have the type of supports that I have access to. You know, I've got my medical team. I've got counselors I've seen. I've got social media, which really opens up a huge group of individuals that have also experienced some type of pregnancy or infant loss that I can connect with. But my grandma had to go through all that alone. And so it's really given my mom a different view on life. In regard to friends, I've had individuals come up to me um, or even just like message me and say, I, I know that this is hard for you, but I want you to know that your experience has opened my eyes and shown me that I need to actually value each moment. Like sometimes I'll get a message from a friend saying, oh, today I was so frustrated with, you know, their, their daughter or son, but because of your experience, I was able to catch myself and not feel so frustrated because I'm grateful that my child's living. And to be honest, when I was getting those messages at first, I was just like, oh, this is so frustrating. Like, why did my child have to go through this for you to finally realize that you have, you know, your beautiful family here? But at the same time, that is the beauty of it. My experience has impacted others and inspired them to want to be better parents, whether that's more present in the moment or, or whatever it is for them. That's amazing. And I have to often tell people like, no, I don't think that life's fair because I don't feel that that is fair, but that's the reality. And I choose to view the beauty within the situation itself. And so if my story can inspire others, even those who haven't experienced pregnancy or infant loss in that kind of way, then I'll take that as a win. And when you started to go into this and you were building your business, how did the, this is more of a business perspective question, but how did the marketing and drawing in of a bigger audience grow? Because after some point, you began to bring in more people people that not only went through the same thing you did, but they also just liked your personality as well. And they just wanted to be a part of it. How did building that more general audience and sort of growing your financial and business brand happen? So a couple of years ago, I actually ended up getting connected with a group of entrepreneurs. And then within that, I actually ended up taking like affiliate marketing courses. So I was able to apply some of the marketing techniques from those courses specifically to my group and my Facebook page and everything like that. So it's been a combination of, you know, paid advertisements with target marketing, but also just organic growth because I have found within my group 
that it's just been more like creating that space for individuals to come and share their story and then, you know, encouraging them to invite others in their life that might be going through something, you know, whether it's the same or whether it's something completely different, but maybe they feel that they would be a good fit for the group, encouraging that. That probably is where I've seen the most growth is just through word of mouth. Because once you begin to build that relationship and start connecting with people really on a deeper level, then there's that whole piece where they get to know, like, and trust you, right? And so that right there, having those relationships established is so incredibly important. And I think more specifically for the type of work I'm doing and, you know, the type of conversations I'm having with individuals, that relationship and building that rapport is so incredibly important. And so a lot of the time having relationships and then just having individuals introduced because I've already have set relationships in place has kind of allowed for that connection to, to build a little bit quicker. Yeah. Like I've had individuals say, Oh, I've got this person. I've talked to her you know, she'd be okay if you reach out. And I sent a message off saying, Hey, so-and-so told me you'd be okay for me to reach out to you. Like she's given me a little bit of a background. I'm here to talk or listen or whatever you need. Like, how can I be there for you? And that's kind of where a lot of my relationships have started. With all this relationship building, how did this all make you feel? Was this a good thing for you? Because personally, me, when you build a lot of those relationships, you probably will feel better about yourself. And that probably helped in the therapy to sort of bettering yourself and getting through this obstacle. So I'm now interested to know, do you think the new you is sort of the example you want to show to people? Is this new happy version of yourself the one that you want to push out? People are important. Bringing others together is important because... I'm thinking now, did bringing all those people together and changing your mindset, did that change you as an individual? Can you sort of go into that? Because you're still an individual. And I personally would like to know what happened internally. Absolutely. So (laughs) believe it or not. So if you were to rewind, say, three years ago, I would not be sitting here doing a podcast. I was very shy, very introverted and talking to a stranger like anywhere, whether it be on a plane, I was just like, oh, no, like that doesn't work for me. I would be very uncomfortable. And as I started to really put myself out there and just place myself in situations where I was a little bit more uncomfortable, forced to kind of have more conversations and network with individuals, I became a little bit more comfortable. And so it really was that mindset piece and and looking at what are my beliefs and what, what limiting beliefs do I have? And so initially... Growing up, I, I, you know, experienced bullying as a lot of individuals do. And I created a lot of self-doubt and a lot of limiting beliefs like, you know, oh, these people are going to judge you and you're awkward in situations and, 
you can't make friends and all these types of things. And so I really took the time to look at that and dissect it. Um, And so there was a period where I spent a lot of time just on personal development. And so I think it was in 2017 or 2018, I did like a three-day program with Todd Campbell. And we really did some intense exercises where we had to evaluate what our limiting beliefs were. And it gave me an opportunity to really get to know myself. And it's kind of sad because it, it took me, you know, 30 years to get there where I was like, okay, these are where my limiting beliefs lie. And and this is preventing me from moving forward with what I want to achieve. But after those three days, I walked out of there crystal clear. And I was like, no, I am not this person. This is who I was in that moment. That wasn't who I wanted to be. I discovered that I am in control and I can create the person that I want to be, who I aspire to be. And that person is somebody who is able to talk to other people and to connect with people and to, to support others. Because honestly, I've always been someone who loves to be there for other people. Growing up as a young, a, you know, a teenager, my friends were always coming to me. I've had uh, individuals in my life, even in my early 20s, that were going through really challenging times in their life. And they would be in their 40s coming to me, asking for advice and everything. And so it was just like this natural thing that I love to do. But I hadn't really gone outside of my circle of people. But once I started placing myself in situations to really challenge and start breaking down those beliefs that I had created, because the reality is, is like, if I'm telling myself you can't make friends or you can't make small talk, but in the meantime, I actually can make friends and I can make small talk. It's like, okay, I'm proving myself wrong. So really that limiting belief needs to go. And so that definitely helped moving forward. And, and so going through that personal development and doing that intensive session and sitting down and really thinking about who do I want to be was a huge part in my transformation. However, with that said, when I went through everything with my daughter, I went through a significant identity crisis. I had spent, you know, so many months prior to getting pregnant, wrapping my head around the whole, okay, I want to build myself up, but I, you know, I want to include parenthood within my identity. And then as I was pregnant, preparing my mind set for, okay, what does parenthood or motherhood look like? And who am I going to be in that role? Only to have everything come falling down. And then it's like, well, who am I now? Because I wanted to be a mother, but my daughter's not living. So how... Who am I now? Like, how, how do I move forward with that? But a huge part of what helped me move forward with that is asking myself, who am I going to transform into to make my daughter proud? Because for me, that was a huge motivator is ensuring that 
if I'm ever presented the opportunity to sit down with my daughter, whether it's in an afterlife or whatever, if I'm presented with that opportunity, I don't want her to ever be like, you could have done so much more, mom. Like, I'm so disappointed in you. Why did you waste this? You were on such a great path before our story unraveled together. And then our story just made you derail. And I don't want that. So a large part of the identity I have today is who am I working toward becoming to make my daughter proud? And I think one of these things that came about, which was very important, is Heavenly Seas, right? Why did you write that book? And how did that book help other people thrive? So Heavenly Seas, I actually never really, I always wanted to write a book. I never thought I actually would write a book, especially about the birth and death of my daughter. I thought it would be something related to like my own struggles with weight loss and self-esteem and those types of things, but I'd never really felt overly inspired or connected to pursue that. And so about maybe a month or two after the birth and death of Kaylani, I was sitting on our deck, actually having myself a little cry. And I remember thinking to myself about what I feared in life. And up until that point, there's not a whole lot that I've been fearful of. My biggest fear in life was dying and not having those around me know how I feel about them. Like I'm very much whenever I talk to my mom or hang up the phone with my brother, like I'm like, I love you. Like, I don't care if we've been screaming and yelling at each other. The last thing that will come out of my mouth are the words, I love you, because I need you to know that no matter how upset I am, that is how I feel about you. And then that way, if something happens to me, you know that. But sitting on that deck and processing and going through my grief and everything, my fear in that moment was when I die, who's going to carry the memory of my daughter on? And all of a sudden, I had like this overwhelming feeling that the memory of my daughter was going to be lost. And I was like, that that can't happen. I don't know how I'm going to keep her memory alive, but I have to do everything in my power to make sure that I am not the last person or my husband, my family members. They're not the last people that bring forward or have the memory of Kaylani. So with that, I had those thoughts. And then I really like to read. I enjoy reading more so about business, personal development, stuff that a lot of people would call boring. But when I was going through the the immediate stages um, following Kaylani's death, I was seeking some type of book to help. I don't necessarily want to say guide me, but I wanted to know that I wasn't alone. I wanted to find a book that somebody else who had been in a similar situation had written so that I could see what their experience was like and what did they do to kind of navigate through everything. Because I was hoping that maybe that would help me on my path. And so lo and behold, I just discovered that, well, pregnancy and infant loss isn't a sexy topic that people really read about. A lot of people don't want to hear about it. And 
for individuals to actually write and share about their story, that is a significant challenge. And so when I went to our local bookstore and started going online, I pretty much came up empty handed until about five months in. But even then, I discovered those books because I was connecting with individuals within the pregnancy and infant loss community. And a lot of the books weren't necessarily available through like your local bookstore. It was more you ordered it through them or they had an Amazon link and you had to search a specific name to find 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 that resource. And so after doing an extensive search and trying to figure out, you know, what books were available to me, it just kind of hit me. This is a gap. And why not fill it? And while I'm filling it, that presents me with an opportunity to keep Kaylani's memory alive. And so that is what really inspired Heavenly Seas. So the book itself is three parts. So the first part is a memoir and it's dedicated to our story. So I go into complete detail about the events leading up to the birth and death of my daughter and what happened immediately after that. And then the second part of the book takes a deeper look at grief and loss and society because grief often isn't something that is really accepted in society. You know, like, yes, people die every day, but for whatever reason, a lot of people they don't, they don't want to see your grief. And what ends up happening is a lot of individuals that are experiencing some type of significant loss like that, the expectation is that after a certain time, you, you need to stop. You're no longer allowed to grieve. And that really isn't the reality that we're faced with. And I mean, this is outside of pregnancy and infant loss. This is just grief in general. And so in that second part of the book, I really take the time to to discuss, you know, what I went through as a mother grieving the death of her child and how that presented to me. So, for example, I am constantly experiencing different triggers. July 25th was the one-year anniversary for the birth and death of my daughter. And hitting that one-year mark was hard. It was extremely hard. There are times when I'll be driving to work and I have to pass like a school or something. And there's, you know, kids crossing the street to go to school. And my thought is, I will never get to take my child to school. Like, I'll never get that first day of kindergarten, that first day of grade one, or like little graduations and, you know, all the macaroni artwork and everything to put on my fridge. I don't get that. Going into the hospital, seeing their bassinets that they have for babies like newborns. The first time I saw that, I lost it. And it's because it just takes me back to those moments I had with my daughter. Or it reminds me of the moments I don't get to have with my daughter. And those are hard. And no matter the amount of time that passes, those triggers still exist. And they don't just disappear. And and even though a year, well, over a year has passed now, when I'm presented with those triggers, 
it's like my whole world is coming down around me again. And that's something that a lot of individuals face after the loss of someone significant in their life. And so I do talk a lot about that, but I also provide individuals that maybe haven't experienced a significant loss, but are wanting to support a loved one with, you know, kind of insight into how they might be able to proceed. So a lot of the time, you know, I, I would get messages like, well, how are you doing? Well, my daughter died. Like, I'm not doing good. <laughs> like, but it's just like programmed into us as a society, like, well, how are you? And of course, because in a lot of places and within our societies, grief and grieving isn't like well accepted. For a grieving individual, we often say, oh, I'm fine. When the reality is we're not. We're just getting by. Or maybe we're not getting by. But we're not sharing or disclosing that information because we know it's going to upset the other individual. And so I talk about that um, and kind of methods and strategies individuals can implement to support their loved ones through those difficult times. And then the third part of my book is really just a way to honor um, some of the babies that are no longer with us. So I was able to connect with well over 400 different families and individuals Um, And they provided me with the names of their babies that were not, you know, whether that was a miscarriage or a stillbirth or a neonatal loss, because it's so incredibly prevalent, and yet it's not something that's discussed. And so I really wanted to take a moment and be able to capture and honor those loved ones within these pages as well. And what do you think the future of your business is? Hmm, Great question. So as of right now, you know, I'm really focused on my course creation and my one-on-one coaching. I right now anticipate that my focus will continue to be on those two things. However, I honestly don't know what life presents. Like I never anticipated writing this book. And given that life inevitably is going to present we with more challenges and, and more difficulties, it's hard to say because I, I do feel like life is ever evolving. We're, we're constantly changing. And where my heart and passion is right now, that may change a couple of years down the road. And I honestly don't know. So I just kind of allow myself to embrace where I'm at and be in the moment. And yeah, I'm curious and I look forward to seeing what the future holds for me and my business. Um, Because yeah, you just never know. But as of right now, this is where my heart is. And so this is what I'm focused on. And as this focus grows, what I want to ask is, what other businesses or what other areas are you going to broaden out to? Because right now, I would say you're very niched out. Would eventually you would kind of go on and look at other things as well? I think potentially. What specifically would you look at? I'm just interested to know because I think there's a lot of other people out here that have, you know, different stories and they want to grow their business. And they may think to themselves, okay, when I get to your stage, eventually, what's the next step? 
how does your brain work through all of this? What is the next step through a business perspective? Because I want to begin hearing now how you sort of worked your audience like a business and how you grew that. Because I think that's important for people to know. Was it more of a blog you had? Was it more of a, you could even share your screen too. Yeah, please talk. So in regard to, you know, my Facebook group, that was all completely free. Like there's no charge or anything like that. Individuals can just apply to join and they can do that through my Facebook group or my Facebook page. So LaCara Biddles, if they look for that on my main page, it'll say visit group and then that'll take them over to my group. In my group, that has really been where I've just been myself because I personally, I'm not and haven't been someone who's like, oh, buy this or like this, this is, you know, my promotion or whatever. Like I I don't approach things that way. A lot of the time, it's more just a casual conversation about this is what I can offer if it's something that you feel might be a good fit. Because my biggest thing is, is, I want it to be a good fit for the customer as well. Um, And I mean, if we're working together, I do believe that we need to drive. I've had so many times in the past, like, like when I need assistance or I need mentorship, I reach out and I get that. But there have been individuals I've encountered where our personalities just, you know, aren't a great mix. And so I... You know, I don't force that. It it has to come kind of naturally. Yeah. So with that, I think as a business approach for individuals that, you know, are specifically wanting to do whatever it is, whatever area it is, yes, you can go broad. However, I do feel like if there is a certain area and you can niche down, that a lot of individuals find more success in that. So for example, like my book, it's really niched down to pregnancy and infant loss. It's not just grief, but specifically I talk about the challenges of pregnancy and infant loss. And I mean, that in and of itself, that's one in four pregnant women who are going to experience some type of pregnancy or infant loss. That's a big, like huge group. And yet it's not a topic that's often talked about. However, with that said, my Raising Resilience group, that is more specific to any type of challenges as we are focused more so on the strategies and methods to build up our resilience. So building on what we already have, because we all have the capacity and different capacities at any given time to face and encounter or, or cope with different things going on in our lives, but recognizing that by, you know, so if I'm down here coping with a life challenge, if I implement, you know, two little things into my day, I might be able to lift myself up and just feel that much more confident and and empowered to take on the day and actually move through that because I've got a couple of extra tools in my belt to take that on. But yeah, like if there's something very specific you are going through, I do feel like there's often a huge audience 
like huge. One of my one of my girlfriends is talking about how she would love to uh, create a support group for for individuals that have experienced divorce, specifically due to you know an unfaithful partner. And I know tons of people in my life who've experienced that. And so there is a group of individuals out there. And so those individuals who've experienced very similar situations likely will feel more supported and and more connected because everybody has the same story. Where in the Raising Resilience group, we're all looking to build resilience, but our stories look very, very different. Okay. And how did community building work for you? What was the main place where your community grew? And how did you sort of keep that community together? When you told your story and all these people came around, what was sort of the positive message that was keeping everyone kind of intertwined into that bubble you made? The positive message. So I think really at the end of the day, it's really just been like, we can either feel alone apart or we can be alone together. Because even though sometimes, like, there are times I've been connected within certain communities, whether it's my pregnancy and infant loss community, or the Raising Resilience group, depending on the situation I'm facing, there are times when I certainly feel alone. Though in the back of my mind, I know that there is a group that I can turn to and that will support me. Regardless, I just have to reach out. And so I think just having that there as a resource and people recognizing and knowing that that is something that they have can make a significant difference. And I think that's why um, a lot of the participants I have in my, my group have remained in that group. Um, I, I mean, I've had individuals there from the beginning and have not shared any bits or pieces of their story, but clearly they're getting something out of it. So always ensuring that you're providing value is definitely key to keeping people within any type of community, because really people are looking for, you know, how, how is it benefiting them? What is it providing to them? Um, if they're not receiving anything out of it, why they're, they're not going to stick around. And when you do all this, so what are some of the best success stories you've had concerning the different clients you've helped? Do you specifically help individual clients or is it more of a general thing where you communicate with a broad group of people? Or have you ever had any specific people that have come to you and said, you've changed this and I've seen this positive change? Yeah, so I've certainly had individuals come to me. Actually, last month, I even had someone come to me and say, I I had a little laugh. What was it? W-W-L-D. What would LaCara do? She she told me that whenever she's presented with a situation that's really challenging, she goes, W-W-L-D. And I'm like, what? What is that? What would LaCara do? She's like, because you just, you, you always just have such a sound way of approaching a situation. And taking a different perspective or a different approach, because that's really what I try to encourage individuals to do. Like there's so many different perspectives that we can look at any given situation. And depending on what 
perspective we're coming at it from, it can look so incredibly different. And so with that, I've had individuals tell me that they feel like they can actually encounter different situations and no longer react. And for a lot of people, that's huge. Like not reacting in a situation has helped them build relationships versus having potentially negative consequences or falling out with their loved ones or significant others because they've been able to kind of talk through a situation versus just screaming and yelling, which would have been their initial go-to response. Yeah. And I mean, there's been individuals that have approached me and said, you know, just having conversations with me has, has changed the way they view certain things and like actually allowed them to move forward with creating specific goals or moving forward in like starting a business or whichever, like it, it just kind of depends because everybody kind of applies the strategies differently in life, depending on what they're facing, which is great that it can be applied in so many different ways and that individuals have found that it's been helpful because really that that's really what I hope to inspire and and kind of promote is just that individuals feel like they're empowered and have what it takes to move forward and get to the results they want to get to whether that's that's in a relationship or just having, you know, difficult conversations with their loved ones that they weren't able to have before, whether it's actually navigating and moving through a certain situation, or whether it's feeling confident and actually moving forward with, you know, applying for their master's degree, (laughs) or or a a promotion at a job, because I've had a lot of individuals share with me, you know, in the past that, they would have never taken that step, but their confidence has grown in their capabilities. And, and so they've moved forward and, and are actually pushing toward what they want in their lives now. And when you do this more and more, I would like to know, is there anything else you think you could do to help people? Like, are you going to write another book? You know, mm-hmm. like, how is that going to work? So I've actually thought about writing another book. So I'm actually pregnant at the moment. Uh, and so for those that are familiar with pregnancy and infant loss, um, often the baby that is conceived after a loss is referred to as a rainbow baby. And it has been a challenge to actually be pregnant after going through something. I, um, you know, this pregnancy, I felt like I've been walking on eggshells and I'm, I've been terrified to do anything. I don't want anything to happen. And my first pregnancy, there, there were a lot of things I didn't experience that were normal for pregnant individuals, just because I had a condition that prevented me from going through the regular motions, but I didn't know that was abnormal at that time. So having what they refer to as like a normal pregnancy right now, I'm 
I've, I'm experiencing a lot of movement and all those types of things, but I didn't have that in my initial pregnancy. So immediately my brain's like, something's wrong. And so having to walk through and go through that process and, and really focus on my mindset to try to calm myself, it's been a challenge. And I never imagined that being pregnant after a loss would be so significantly draining. And again, I think that it's a very niched group of individuals that go through this. But if I'm feeling it, there are other people that are feeling it too. And that's the biggest thing. Like, I truly feel that, you know, we go through these things and in our heads, we might think, oh, I'm, I'm the only one going through this. Like nobody else feels this way. Sorry, dog barking in the background. But if I'm feeling it, there are other people feeling it too. And there is a group of individuals out there that know exactly what I'm talking about. And so, yeah, I've thought about writing a book on about my experience um, with pregnancy after loss. So at this point in time, <laughs> I'm, I'm not 100% convinced that I want to move forward with that just yet just because my priorities and everything are on getting the first book kind of marketed and all those types of things. And I, I am very intentional with my time and recognize that I can't do it all, all the time. So I do have to be careful that I don't stretch myself extremely thin because I do have a habit of doing that. So trying to be mindful because I want to ensure that the health of myself as well as this baby remains good. And what are some final words you would sort of like to let me know about? You specifically or like everybody? Everybody. I'm speaking for me too because I asked you a lot of these questions. Yeah, so I would just, I really do encourage. So anyone that, you know, has been thinking about pursuing, whether that's coaching or writing a book or or whatever you want to do, do it. Because we will get into our heads and tell ourselves a million reasons why we shouldn't, couldn't, or can't do it at any given time. Just do it. In school, in nursing school and everything, I had instructors tell me I was a horrible writer and that I was going to fail and that, you know, I would never be successful and I should choose program or a program that doesn't require any type of writing. And yet my editors for my book were like, I love your style of writing. Like it just all depends. So you're going to have critics out there that don't support you, but don't listen to them. Just do what's in your heart. If, if you really want to pursue something, do it. If you want to write that book, do it. And it doesn't have to look pretty. You just have to get started. Because honestly, I think we get so caught up in the analysis paralysis of, okay, I need to have A, B, C, D, and E done before I can get this done. But that's not the reality. We just have to take that first step. So I really do encourage individuals to take that first step. And again, for me, finding the right community was essential for me to actually begin to create, you know, the raising resilience movement. I didn't have a group of entrepreneur friends, you know, back in 2016. 
And it wasn't until I was introduced to a group of individuals that had their own business and started sharing about, you know, their passions and what they were doing and how they were able to turn these beautiful visions into something, you know, within the online space or, or whichever they were doing, it was like, oh, that's an option. But I was able to learn from them. But I had to find that group of individuals to kind of give myself or help support myself in building that entrepreneur mindset. Um, Because yeah, anything is possible. If I truly do believe that if you, if you can, if you have a vision, you can create it. It just depends how much work you're willing to do because a lot of the time there's a lot of work involved. (laughs) Things don't happen overnight. So don't expect them to Vision makes anything possible. All right. I'm Jimbo Paris, and this is the Jimbo Paris Show. Thank you again. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. 